0: All right, so, it's not a real trick question at this point, but what is pneumatology? Study of the Holy Spirit. Study of Holy Spirit. Can you tilt the And There's
1: a reflection off the door.
0: Oh, <laughs> I thought you were just being picky. No. All right, and by way of review, what do we know about the Holy Spirit? What have we gone over so far?
1: He is God.
0: Amen. That's probably the most vital thing that we need to know about the Holy Spirit. He is God, and He is a person, right? We refer to Him as... It's not a force or a a movement, but He is a person, one of the three persons of God. Do we have something here? Okay. What about the, the different ministries of the Holy Spirit? Do you guys recall any of the ministries of the Spirit? Spiritual gifts. Yeah, he he works spiritual gifts within us, right? So he gives those to us. I guess there are three different categories, at least in my mind, of ministries of the Holy Spirit. There are ministries that he performs before Christ BC, um, before we are saved. Uh, Ministries that take place at salvation. So at the very point of salvation, there are several things that occur, and then. Uh, different ongoing ministries of the Holy Spirit. And so what category would you put fruits OF THE SPIRIT in, right? Say again, What's that? Say again. What category would you put fruits OF THE SPIRIT in? The burden of the Spirit. Oh yeah, ongoing. Ongoing, alright. So, hopefully, right? That He is working in those who are His, the believers, Uh, Love joy peace patience all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Other ministries that you guys recall going over so far, we haven't gotten in depth in all of them, but several we have.
1: Convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment.
0: All right, where would that go? For Christ. All right, so
1: that's uh, leading into at salvation.
0: (laughs) Yes. So convicting the world. Um, and our little clue there is that it's the world, it's not just believers that you convict. So he still continues to convict uh, those who he redeems, but uh, it's not limited to just those who are redeemed. Constantly convicting us of our sin, doesn't
2: uh, right? yeah, yeah, so it kind of goes down into salvation. Mm-hmm.
0: interpretation of the scripture. Yeah, we were talking about mm-hmm. that. Um, last week, right? We talked about inspiration and illumination and interpretations um, mixed in there with illumination that He revealed it to us and gives us the ability to, to understand properly interpret Scripture. Um, as we go on, we're going to learn about some other different ministries of the Holy Spirit. Uh, just kind of be thinking about where in the scenario of things it might fit. We're talking about Uh, the Holy Spirit in salvation and sanctification today. So I should give you a little bit of a clue as to where most of these ministries will take place. I'm not even sure we're going to get into sanctification. Um, You have extra worksheets? We we got a same worksheets. I got an extra. Thank you. Okay. You got the last extra one. All Huh? All right. All right, Ruby.
3: I've never heard of the spirit. What no. you?
0: What the Bible has to say. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you messing with me or my wife? I'm messing okay. With you. <laughs> okay. Well, good
1: job. Yeah, do, do my best to be a help. All right. So we've already kind of talked about how the
0: Holy Spirit is God, about how He's a person, and several of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. Um, anything else to add? How would you describe the Holy Spirit to somebody who, who legitimately doesn't know? That's a completely new concept. He is God,
4: and He is Spirit, so you can't see Him.
0: Yeah, that's that's important, right? That He is He doesn't have a, a physical body. He is metaphysical. Um, we worship Him in Spirit and in truth. Yeah, He's the Spirit of God,
2: so that... You know, basically, that's what, and of course, God is Spirit. But we know, as he talks about Jesus and he says, you know, he has to die and, and be taken back to, to the Father, and then he will send this other comforter, this <coughs> intercessor for us, which is the Holy Spirit.
0: You know? Do you guys remember what three chapters the Holy Spirit is most prominently taught in the time the Scripture? Uh, John. John. Yeah. John's not a chapter though. So what three chapters is
5: it, John? Four, 14 ten, through three. 16. <laughs> John. I don't know. <laughs> how about if you're four, allowed to I about
0: John, four, definitely. Yeah. fourteen? Definitely. 14 through 17. What was that? 14 yeah. through 17. Yeah, 17 is a high priestly prayer of Christ. You can uh, over see shot. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely inter-trinitarian relationships in 17. and 16, yeah. and one thing that
1: we will sing later this morning when we're singing a song about the triune god we will sing that um the spirit imparts the love of god within our hearts and I, that's what we'll be talking about today i guess but uh, that's another aspect of communicating who he is he imparts god's truth and god's love within our hearts
0: yeah yeah like you said it's part of the fruits of the spirit that we can't have that apart from the Spirit. We have to recognize our full dependence on Him to be able to work out the, the fruit that we've been, we've been called to do. We've been called to um, these good works, and we can't fulfill those without His ministry in our lives. All right, so we're talking about salvation today. And we're going to be in Ephesians 1, so go ahead and turn to Ephesians 1. MacArthur says that Ephesians 1 is a magnus opus of Trinitarian passages. <laughs> So Ephesians 1 is where it's at for sure. And there are a lot of things that we can see in Ephesians 1 um, pertaining to salvation. So we're not going to focus completely on the soteriological aspect. We'll get to that when we get into soteriology. Um, But we want to primarily focus on the Holy Spirit and His role in our salvation. The passage that describes in greatest detail the works of the persons of God in salvation is Ephesians chapter 1. So, if you're not already there, turn to Ephesians 1. Will somebody read for us pretty slowly so we can kind of digest uh, verses 3 through 14? Blessed be the
3: God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you say 14? Yes. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things, according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory.
0: All right. And that is... Again, a lot. There's tons to see in there. Um, We're going to go back and we're going to look at the Holy Spirit, his role in salvation. Um, But just looking at that, and trying to pick it apart and dissect it a little bit. What is the order of events in this chapter? This chapter is focused on salvation, how salvation takes place, uh, the different roles of the persons of God that are in salvation. What are the the order of events that we see in this chapter. In fact, He was before creation. Yeah, and again, we won't completely get into that, but um, (coughs) it talks about uh, God willing and predestining in verse 5. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will. So He willed it, He predestined it. And we see that same combination in verse 11, having been predestined according to his purpose, works all things according to the counsel of his will. So he wills our salvation, predestines it. Um, he chooses us in verse 4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So that's all taking place, not even just before we were born, but before there was a world, before the foundation of the world was even formed, that had taken place in the mind of God. Before time. Yeah. You know, time didn't exist until. When did time exist? That's when, day four? When God oh. created it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the cop out answer. Was it day one or day four? Mm-hmm. I don't know. When God created it. The right it's God. the most accurate answer. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: you. the most cop out accurate
0: answer. Though. <laughs> um, all right. Mm-hmm. Going on with <laughs> uh, the order of salvation. Mm-hmm. After. If you're predestined and you had to go through the redemption of what God has done for you, so the redemption would second. Yeah, God, yeah. is that what you're looking at? In verse 7, says that in him we have redemption. And how do we have redemption in that verse? Through his blood. Yeah. Through his blood. So, what's his blood before or after time was created when God decided to create time? Both. You're talking. <laughs> Do you rephrase the question? Yeah. So, verse 7 says that we were redeemed by his blood. Mm-hmm. Was that before or after the, the predestined that took place before time? Both. Yeah, the application. The blood means his death. And
5: his death. death was after. Mm-hmm.
0: And the shedding of his he, blood had to take place in time. Yeah, so he had to step into his creation, right? We've mm-hmm. talked about the incarnation. Mm-hmm. And in order to have creation to step into, he had to first create it and then step into time, um, take upon himself flesh, lay down his life, and that's where, like you said, that's what's referring to the cross and his death on the cross mm-hmm. and the blood that was a result of that. Without shedding blood, there's no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. That's not just talking about Pricking your blood, but Leviticus tells us that life is in the blood. And so that's a reference to there having to be a payment of life because that's the, the punishment that we owe for our sin. And that took place in a very physical way at a very pointed place in time after he had predestined and willed and chosen us in him. Does that make sense? Am I losing you guys a little bit? No, but you wouldn't. Have could almost be in simultaneous effect because it was prior
2: to time. I mean, it was already predetermined he was going to do that because he already knew what man was going to do. So in that sense of the word, it was God himself
0: who said, well, I had to make a provision for him because they're going to be what they're going to be, which is the sinful creatures. Yeah, so he certainly knew what he was going to do he had the plan not only to save us but uh, the means of salvation that he would be the one who would save us. He had that plan before time existed. But that took place at a very specific point in time. But
1: future is not future to God. Yes, God is outside of time. He's already in the future. <laughs>
0: yes. But from our perspective, there you go. it took place at a point in time, some 2,000 years ago. That's when our redemption took place. And, um, we see that in verse 7, that in Him we have redemption through His blood. Any other aspects of salvation we can see in that passage? Well, we are sealed
4: in him, we are, he yeah, doesn't, doesn't really say that he is in us, but we are certainly in him, we are sealed to
0: God, yes, salvation. Yeah, so, uh, let's jump down and, um, that's just a big, long sentence, so, um, I'm going to pick up in verse 9, so that he made known to us the mystery of his will, again, that's, Referring back to before time, but then he made that mystery known in time, right? Mm -hmm. And it was according to his kind intention which he purposed in him, with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven, and things on the earth. I think that's still not, yeah, that's looking forward to the summation of all things in Christ. In him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Again, talking about his plan before he even created it. Before he created anything, he knew exactly what was going to take place. Verse 12. To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. What is that referring to verse 12 says that we were the first to hope in Christ verse 13 says in him you also we see a a change in the, the person that's being referred to there right so what's going on between verses 12 and 13. Is that a reference
3: to the Gentiles?
0: Um With I think
3: extending extending that.
0: Yeah. To the... it, I don't think it's a direct reference to that, but you can see that in there for sure. Um so verse twelve, who would be the first to hope in Christ? The people that were at Pentecost, the at Pentecost. Yeah, the first generation mm-hmm. church, right? But didn't that didn't include Paul. Mm. But he includes himself in this. Yes, right. So That's why I'm saying he wasn't at
1: Pentecost though. And he says we.
0: Yeah. But he was still part of the first generation. Um, yeah, I guess so it's the, not
4: just the ones at Pentecost. So, yes, he's talking about everyone before when he was writing, between I mean, Pentecost and when he was writing there. Okay. Because it's always ongoing, so we can say that from our perspective, ongoing too. Yeah. We are all, all to be the. Uh, what does he call them? They're the um, first fruits, yes. We are all, in a sense, second fruits <laughs> to, the, to those who follow on. That's what he's
0: preparing for. The
4: first ones spread the word.
0: Yeah. So they spread the word. So that's how we have a, a transition between yes. the we in verse 12 to the you in verse 13. Um, because those who initially received this message. Took and shared it with those who didn't have the message. In verse 13, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So we can see in between verses 12 and 13, a reference to evangelism, Then they had received this message and they took and imparted this message to somebody else. And after listening and hearing that message, they too were able to partake in that salvation. And then what happens after they they listen to the message of the truth, of the gospel, of salvation? In verse 13. Oh, 15.
2: Mm. They to believe, believe, believe.
0: believe. They believe. All right. So, again, with the, the order of events, God predestined, he planned it, he willed it, right? Before time. Then in time, we were redeemed by his blood on the cross. So, there has to be an event to actually make that propitiation a satisfactory payment. And then that message has to first be heard in verse mm-hmm. 13 and then believed. And then Jared mentioned something else at the end of 13. What was it? Mm-hmm. Sealed. Well he said it says that you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So first you listen, you hear and then you believe, and then you are sealed. Similar to Romans ten fourteen, How can they hear unless there is a preacher? Or how can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless there's a the preacher? So there's a logical order to uh, evangelism. We first must hear the message, um, then believe it, and then we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You guys have any insights on what that means to be sealed in the Holy Spirit? Guaranteed. Yeah, it's a a guarantee, a promise, a down payment. Um, I think of an engagement ring and how a man will give a woman an engagement ring and promise to take her as his wife and she's not yet his wife, but it's a promise that one day we're going to be married. Uh, It's a down payment, a pledge.
5: The idea of being sealed though was when, People would actually do a wax thing and actually put their stamp in the kings mostly. Yeah. They'd put their stamp in it, and that would be by his authority, the king's authority. You know, whatever you're not open or whatever the seal was, the purpose of the seal was, usually not to open documents except by the right person. Could but they also be out.
0: talking about seals in this life and the next? Or
4: is it not going
0: into that? Um, yeah, I think it's talking about being sealed for eternity. That in, in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, we are sealed. We have that promise of authority, a guaranteed pledge that we will forever be His. And so I think that's a view to, yes, salvation being eternal, but we can't lose our salvation. John 10 talks about how nobody can take us out of the hand of the Father, nobody can take us out of the hand of the Son, that they are one and we are in them for eternity. The
1: book of Ephesians actually tells us when we're sealed till, and chapter 4, verse 30 says, until the day of redemption.
0: Yeah. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. So, yeah, for eternity. In Romans,
4: he talks about we are looking even though we're still groaning, even though we have the first fruits of the Spirit, we are still groaning in this flesh, eagerly waiting for the, re- the adoption, which is the redemption of the body. Amen. So it's the ongoing, but the sealing and the guarantee, the pledge is the guarantee of our, of our being possessed by Him.
0: We are owned by Him. Yep. Mm-hmm. nothing's mm-hmm. going to change that
5: the the some of them say some translations say guarantees some say earnest um, in verse 14 and the ideal is that's a, that's a like a down payment when you put earnest money on a house mm-hmm. if you don't maintain if you don't keep your contract you lose that the ideal here is God doesn't keep his promise he's going to lose his holy spirit is that possible No, you look at Hebrews
0: 6, and there's none greater than God. So he doesn't swear by anybody except for himself, because there's nobody above him. So when God swears, he swore by himself, because it was as good as done. It's the same with our our salvation. that's one of the things that takes place at salvation, that we are sealed in the Holy Spirit. What else did we see in that passage that takes place at salvation?
4: Did we mention the adoption as sons?
0: Um, Yeah, kind of. It's
4: pretty explicit.
0: Yeah. So we are adopted, um, which really means that before we we weren't gods. Uh, I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago in this class briefly, about how... We are born as enemies of God. We are not by nature children of God, but we are by nature children of God. And we have to have that, that presupposition that we are not his in order to be adopted by Him. I can't adopt my children that are, are mine biologically, that doesn't make sense. Um, but I can adopt somebody else's who somebody else who is not my child um, and make them my child. And that's what God has done to us because we are not his and nature. But he has made us his through the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, again, we looked in verse 7 at redemption, how we are redeemed at salvation. Um, again, speaking linearly of like a timeline, it gets confusing because that didn't take place at the cross, but it took place in time when, like in verse 13, we believed. Did you have
5: something to yeah, being adopted? <clears throat> under Roman law it was really special because they had a law that if you adopted somebody you could not disinherit them. And so the ideal here continues to promise. When we are adopted by God, we cannot be disinherited.
0: Yeah, the same concept as a as We are His. As a Nobody's gonna mess with that. Mm-hmm.
2: What? What's the fourth? In
0: verse 14 there it says until we acquire possession of it. Um, that's, so there are different aspects of redemption. Um, we have been redeemed from the penalty of our sin. That that was nailed to the cross. Along with all of our debts and certificates of sin. Jesus has taken care of that. as paid in full. Um, there's another sense in which we are being redeemed from the, the power of of sin that sin no longer has power over us as believers uh, First John talks about how he writes these things to us so that we will not sin um, but then right before that it said if anybody says that he does not have sin he's a liar and the truth is not in him so there's a, a sense in which we have an ability as Christians not to sin an ability that we did not have before we were in Christ when we were children of wrath all we could do is sin because that was our nature but Christ has taken, he's given us a, a new nature, um, which we'll get into here in a moment, maybe. Um, and because of that new nature, we don't have to sin anymore. Um, so we have that redemption from the power of sin. But it's also looking forward to the redemption that we will have in the future from the presence of sin, where we won't have that temptation at all. It's not like, am I going to give in to my sinful flesh right now, or am I going to submit myself to the Holy Spirit and walk by his power and be filled with the Holy Spirit and exude the fruits of the Holy Spirit rather than the fruits of the natural man, the fruits of the flesh. And so it's looking forward to this future aspect of redemption. Um, Jeremy and I were talking last week about the aspect of already, not yet, within Christianity. And we'll see that in a lot of places. That Yes, we have already been redeemed um, positionally there, God looks at us and He says, that is my son who I have adopted who is never going to leave." like you mentioned, Jim, um, with that Romanesque view of adoption that they are mine and no one's going to take them out of my hand. But in, in time and in reality, we have not been redeemed from the presence of sin as of yet, but that's going to take place when we are glorified with Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah.
2: I mean, here it says, you know, our inheritance until we acquire yeah. So it's talking about the
0: inheritance. Yeah, so it's it's a promise to us, right? Like yep. we know we're gonna inherit it, yep. but we haven't come into that inheritance just yet. Any other thoughts or questions on Ephesians chapter one? Uh, it's a good passage. We could spend a week in Ephesians 1. <coughs> After hearing and believing the gospel, the Holy Spirit now becomes a permanent fixture in a person's life. Again, he's not going anywhere. He is with us forever. Now there is a question of, well, what about people who leave the church? And I think we would say they went out from us because they were never of us, so they didn't really have the dwelling Holy Spirit. We wouldn't say that the Holy Spirit would come on somebody and leave somebody as he did in the Old Testament. Could you define leave the church? Um, Yeah, it's not leaving a local church, but saying that they deny core aspects of the Christian belief. So to deny the deity of Christ, to deny um, the sufficiency of Christ or of Scripture, to say I'm not part of the universal, universal, invisible Church of Christ, not the organization Church of Christ. We would not agree with that. So it's kind of like in our local
2: uh, religion around here that the same way when they leave, that's they've ripped it up, they've left it, and all the teachings and everything else for the new life in Christ. So it'd be the same thing for Christians, and for them to actually leave would be to do the same thing to give it all up, just disavow it, reject it, somewhat like that.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know if I'm super comfortable with that connection, but technically, you can't it's, give it up. Yeah, you, if, if you do it, if you, you give it up, give it that's it evidence that you never had it to begin with. Is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Okay. You never had it. You never had um, that adoption. You never had that inheritance. Yeah. So, in order to fully have that adoption, that inheritance, you need to be legitimately indwelled by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. sealed by the Holy Spirit, redeemed by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, that can't unhappen. But to
2: leave, like you said, to leave the church—that would be evidence. Absolutely, you never—you were never truly a real believer. You know, yep. you may the walk, walked, talk, the talk, but you didn't have it in your heart.
3: Uh-huh. <coughs> Isn't there a, there's a passage that I don't even know where it is? It talks about the Holy Spirit, like it's always talking to you, but if you're not listening,
4: like you're not going to hear it. I don't know where that is in the Bible, but
0: uh-huh. we had that verse is Jewish in Ephesians 4 30 do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom we were sealed for the day of redemption um, yeah there's not a passage that says the Holy Spirit's always speaking to people no no yeah, he speaks to us through his word um, yeah Hebrews 1 says that in former days that he has spoken to us through prophets and Adam fathers in many portions in many ways but these last days he has spoken to us through his son so um, there's a, a difference in the way that God communicates in different points in time. And he will still use the Holy Spirit to to help us understand what he has spoken to us through his son in the scripture, but we aren't to look for or, or listen for an audible voice from the Holy Spirit or a new revelation from the Holy Spirit. We believe that the revelation that we have is, is complete in, in Scripture. And last week, we spoke on inspiration and illumination a little bit. So we have that up on our website. So maybe that would be a helpful resource for you. Walker. So um, in Acts 2, that's the, uh, that's the pen concept, right? Yeah. And that's that's the Holy Spirit, like, working, correct? That yes. Was him? Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit being poured out onto the, the Jews in, for the first time. So the first church. That, that's like a big... Holy Spirit passage. That is a huge Holy Spirit passage. Yeah. I think we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. And we'll get into it a little bit within the next couple weeks. again yeah.
5: yeah. I know you're not saying, but it almost sounds like you're saying the Christian won't disobey the Holy Spirit. And we know that's not true. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. Christians can still sin and even act like non believers sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely
0: don't want to be understood as saying that. So turn to first John real quick. We'll take a look at that so that we can clarify that. So first John chapter one. And then I'll go ahead and I'll start in uh, verse five. Says this is a message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So we have to understand that before we come to salvation That God is perfect. He is holy. He is set apart. In Him there is no sin. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, then we lie and do not practice the truth. So that would be evidence that we don't have fellowship with Him. We have to distinguish between fellowship and relationship. So we can have a, a relationship with God where He is our Father, He is our Redeemer, and we are the redeemed who have been sealed in Him. But that doesn't mean that our fellowship is always going to be good. We can be out of fellowship with God. We can be in a a bad fellowship with God while we are in positive relationship with God. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we do have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So that's, um, that's where we want to be. Right? We want to be in right relationship and right fellowship with him. And that's Exemplified when we are walking in the light as He is in the light. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So, yes, that's very clearly right there that we, we are sinners and we are going to continue to sin even as we are redeemed in Him. We will still struggle with that sin. A couple weeks ago, Mark taught through Romans 7 and touched on that. How we do what we don't want to do, but that which we want to do, we want to do what is good and pleasing to God. We want to walk in the light as he is in the light, yet we are not always able to consistently do that because we still struggle with our sinful flesh, with our sinful nature. And so if we say that we don't have sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth isn't in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we do sin, we come to him and we confess that to him and he will restore that fellowship that we had lost with him. And then again, just in case we didn't get this, in verse 10, John says, if we say that we have not sinned, not only are we deceiving ourselves, not only is the truth not in us, but it says that we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So it's John is making it very clear that we we are sinful men and we're not going to achieve any kind of sinless perfection. That's not something that we should expect um, until we reach that ultimate Redemption, where we are redeemed from the presence of sin. But going on just a little bit further um, to, to make my point about being redeemed from the power of sin, verse 1 of chapter 2 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So we are not designed... To, to sin when we sin we don't correctly reflect the nature and the righteousness of God um, chapter 3 talks about uh, first John talks about being children of God children of the devil and how we are made known as children of God by our works um, but that's certainly not something that's going to be perfect and consistent but he has written these things to us so that we may not sin that's not his design for us to walk in other thoughts or questions, maybe particularly for first John, for a little hiatus.
2: First John five talks about the sin <laughs>
0: that leads to death and the one that doesn't. Yeah, uh, we're um, not going to get into that. Yeah, <laughs> we're already <laughs> continuing uh, some other stuff. Yeah, we've gotten way too far from our study <laughs> of the Holy Spirit, but. Um, we can apply that verse talking about sin leading to death and say that if we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, if we are truly his and been adopted, then there is no sin that leads to eternal death for that believer, right? Because we are in him sealed for eternity. All right, good to <laughs> The Holy Spirit is a down payment for what is to come, God's complete redemption at last. The Spirit also seals the Christian. We looked at Quote those verses, 113 and 430, that God secures our salvation until the day of redemption by sealing his people with his spirit. Christians have surety of salvation by reading what God says has happened in their lives. Let me read that again because I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Christians have surety of salvation by reading what God says has happened in their lives. So, again, God has spoken to us through his word. And we can read that word, and that's where we get our, our surety, our assurance of salvation. We know that He has sealed us, and we are His eternal.
1: There is, a, of course, an aspect of the Holy Spirit bearing witness with our spirit, Romans 8, that we are children of God. But yeah. we have to interpret that through the Scriptures and what God has clearly said. Because if we interpret that as a pitter-patter in our hearts... There are days when we're going to really feel like children of God, and days when we really feel like children of the devil. And God doesn't waver; He doesn't go back and forth. If He has said, "You are My Son forever and ever," then that is what is true. So, I just wanted to clarify that that we're not saying there is no aspect in which the Holy Spirit relates to us in a personal way. He certainly does, but we don't interpret. source. We don't try to draw out an objective truth based on our feelings for that day.
0: Yeah, so I think that's what both of you guys were referring to at some point. You had referenced Romans 8. You were talking about that um, assurance from the Holy Spirit, but it's an assurance that's based off the objective Word of Truth, that He revealed to us. All right, let's turn to Titus 3, 4 through 7. It's a great passage about salvation, about the Holy Spirit and the Word. If you guys are in our Titus class, it's a great passage to teach through. We still have that one that will be signed up for. I'd encourage you to consider doing that. It's a good one. All right, Titus 3, 4 through 7. I'll go ahead and read that. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love to mankind appeared, that's a cool verse just in and of itself. When the kindness of God our Savior and His love to mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Again, that's that's pretty rich. Can't get much better than that. In those verses, who is committing the action? God is doing it. God is doing everything, right? We're not saved based on our righteousness. These are the done of righteousness, but according to His mercy. What is the means by which God accomplishes this task? He's the one doing the work. What is the work that leads to salvation? Well, He
4: converts us, He changes us, He renews us, He uh, recreates
0: us uh, by His Spirit, by the Spirit of God. Alright, so the spirit of God. a bunch of sentiments in there to renew, yes. to recreate, to regenerate, to make new, right? Um, it's a concept of new birth that, um, let's talk about in John chapter 3, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, that you must be born again, be born anew. Have this. Regeneration is renewal, you know, redemption. A person is regenerated at the moment of belief by the Holy Spirit. This word, again, needs to be born again. So, not by our own works, but by Him. What?
1: Can you give us an order to that?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> can't or won't? <laughs> <laughs> won't. No. And, and maybe can't. <laughs> Alright, let's turn to John chapter 3 and look more fully at this idea of regeneration, of renewal, of rebirth, again, as Jesus it, John chapter 3. And will somebody read for us the first eight verses? I can do that.
1: Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit.
0: Born of the Spirit is born again. They are renewed, regenerated, um, recreated to make the a new person. People who believe in Jesus for salvation are made new through that regeneration of the Spirit. And Christians have been born from above, washed clean, recreated by the power of the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, in that last passage we were talking about how through the work of the Spirit, we are made heirs. That kind of goes back to what we were talking about in adoption. That we are given this inheritance that we have not yet realized, that has not yet manifested. Um, we are made heirs by the Holy Spirit. And we will one day fully uh, accept that inheritance. Thoughts on the Holy Spirit's work in John 3? writing, so I'll give you a second. That concept of the new birth is uh, a concept that I think has left out many aspects of, or many different um, manifestations, I guess, of Christianity in the Christian world, that people will often focus on the salvation that we have in Christ, that we have been redeemed but not the fact that we have been made new, and that leads to a, an antinomian understanding of the the gospel uh, understanding that says that we can go against law. That's what antinomian means. Against law is antinomian is law, so that we don't have to submit ourselves to the law of of God, and that's not how we come to. Christ, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but by His mercy, He has regenerated us by the work of the Holy Spirit. He has washed us by the Holy Spirit. He has made us new, but um, that means that we will have a changed desire, a changed life, really. If we're going to be born again, we're going to be regenerated and recreated new people. We have to stop and think, what does that mean? Well, that means that my old person is, is dead. And... The new person has has been made and created by Christ and indwelt with this Holy Spirit. That's another thing that takes place at the point of salvation. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Um, We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are redeemed by the Holy Spirit. We are baptized by the Holy Spirit. We'll get into that at some point in the future. But if we are truly indwelt by the Holy Spirit, then it's going to have a a manifest change in our lives. We can't go on to continue continuing to sin um, in the same way that we had before. That's not going to mark our lives as a habitual pattern as it once did when we were enemies of God before we were adopted and made to be children of God. Does that make sense? Is everything done right? All right. Acts 1, 1 through 5. Um, Let's get into that next week because I think that'll go on a little bit too far. Any other thoughts or questions on the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, salvation, pneumatology, anything? Jeremy's got a question that he'll ask me later, because it comes with a smirk. And I don't like answering his questions that come with a smirk.
5: Yes, <laughs> 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 it's, it's a <laughs> smirk. Uh, well, I just,
2: just, just read John. Um, why... It's referring to the wind. You do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit.
0: What's he trying to say there? I think like Melissa was referring to earlier that the spirit is spirit. He is not a a physical body of flesh and bone, bone and blood. And we don't see the spirit. We see the effects of the spirit just as we see the effects of the wind. We don't see the wind itself. And so the... The holy Spirit is first of all holy and secondly, a spirit right? We yeah. call him the Holy Spirit for a reason um, and have to remember that he is metaphysical without uh, a body of flesh and mm. blood but it also is implying
4: there isn't it that we can predict who God will say, we cannot predict we can't we don't have a Blueprint for converting people, that's what the spirit does. Without our input, without our help, we can't yet yeah, we can't judge, we can't predict who, when, where, or how.
0: Yeah. yeah and go back to heaven. Titus, he is the full means of salvation, right? Um, we don't have any any part in our own salvation. Except for the sin that we brought to the table that makes it necessary. He's the one who does all the work in saving and redeeming and regenerating us. Um, we are going for the ride, so to speak.
4: And you didn't refer to 2 Corinthians
0: 5.17 in this recreation. No, we didn't. Is yeah, there that reason a... for that? We're not in soteriology Yeah, We're talking about the Holy Spirit, the work okay. of the Holy Spirit. Well,
4: all of that is done. It's just another a place where it refers to equates being born again with a new creation. Yeah. And we're saying the same thing with two different terms, are we not? Being yeah. Born again and a new creation, regeneration, same thing. all the yep. same thing. Yep, same
0: thing. So that would be a great place to go to, to look at how we are made new, we've been reconciled, we've been brought back together by the work of Christ. Um, and the Spirit that He reconciles us to to God, when we were first enemies of God, we have been, as He said, reborn. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Continue to worship God. God, we do thank you for the regeneration we have in in you, for the new birth we pray that we would live as children of God, that we would represent you well, that we would wear your name well, and that people would know that we are Christians by our love for each other, by our love for you, that we are opposed to to sin and to evil and uh, to the things that that bring your name shame. God, I pray that we would stand out in our culture, that we would be different and unique, being indwelt by you, that you would work your fruit through our lives that we would be willing and submissive and obedient to you. Amen.